This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. everybody to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle and I'm Brian Searle too. We're testing out just two cameras here. We're probably not going to leave it on for the entire show, but a new feature of our streaming software. So just wanted to see what it looked like, but super excited to be here with you for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. We are missing Karis's Madia today because she is right now, as we speak in the middle of the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference at Expo, having its third Amazing run. This is still a virtual conference, but that just means it's more accessible for everybody. I really think they're going to try to drive to make that in person next year. So super excited to see where that goes. I just finished up teaching a class. I'm going to teach another one tomorrow. I, I think Mike is teaching a class too. He's on the show with us here. And, and we're just tons of education and, and just really excited to see the whole industry come together and learn from each other. Uh, there's really no better way to do that. And we'll talk to Joanne about ways that she's fostering that with her new New Jersey Grand Owners Association in Florida coming up in a few minutes. But Super excited to be here with Mike Harrison, one of our recurring panelists from CRR Lifestyle, a really forward-thinking, innovative company. They own multiple campgrounds, developing stuff like that, doing some other cool things in the future here in the industry. We've got Joe Dumeg from At My Community, makes cool, super apps for your phone where you can do all kinds of awesome things from activities perspective and just making the whole guest process and experience easier. So those are two of our regular people that are joining us. We're missing Duncan, who had a last-minute thing come up as well. And then we've got two special guests here. We talked briefly about Joanne. Is the executive director of is New Jersey Camp Runners Association or is it Mid Atlantic, Joanne? I always mess no, up. It's, I'm the executive director of the New Jersey Camp Runners and Outdoor Lodging Association. But on New Jersey, yeah, but New Jersey, we are the ones that coordinate the Mid Atlantic Conference. Okay, so I almost maybe got it right, but thank goodness she was here to correct me. So we're going to talk to Joanne, and then we've got Joel Holland here from Harvest House, CEO Harvest House, to talk about a new kind of innovative product that they have launched called Campers Car. So I think we have a jam-packed show for you here. Hopefully you're not here and you're watching the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference if you're in Canada. So we've only got an audience maybe of everybody else everywhere in the world. But where should we start, guys? Do we want to start with our special guest? Do you, to Mike, uh, Joe, do you have anything really been on your radar in the last few weeks that has come up that you want to talk about? No, I think we should probably start with Joanne, considering, at least for myself, we're in the middle of conference season. Probably a good place to good start friend. for me. Joanne, what do we have? Hi, so um, so the Mid-Atlantic Conference for Campground Owners is being held February 27th, 28th, and March 1st. We are going to be in Orlando, Florida at the Doubletree at SeaWorld this year. We have 10 educational sessions, 30 trade show vendors right now. The trade show is going to be on Tuesday afternoon. And we're looking for a really great conference. The trade show floor is sold out. We're still getting registration for attendees. It's still open through February 19th for the early bird special. And then after that, the price goes up. But for $250, you get 10 sessions, trade show, lunch and dinner on Monday and Tuesday, and just a good time to be networking with other campground owners from not only along the East Coast, but across the country. And Campers Card, they'll be there with us. So thank you for being a part of our trade show this year. We look forward to you. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're excited to be there. And I, 
we have a good team going. I'm not going to be able to attend personally, which I'm jealous because I imagine that the weather in Florida is quite nice. Oh, I keep watching the weather and it looks like it's going to be in the 80s and sunny every day that we're there. We're excited. And believe it or not, I've been monitoring the airfare down to Orlando from anywhere along the East Coast. And we've seen airfares as low as $37 to get from Newark, Philadelphia, Baltimore, down to Orlando. There's still an opportunity for folks who want to come down to jump on some pretty cheap airfares. I'll be honest. Like when you said that, I was like, I don't know if I want to fly on the $37 airline. I definitely want to come to your conference if I could, but I don't know if I want to fly <laughs> on an airline. So <laughs> gone. United American, it's their regional jets. So. Oh, that's fair. Okay. And I'm pretty sure, Brian, that $37 isn't from you. There isn't for you. Canada. Probably not. Look, so, my camera is blurry too. That's, I look so, better than Someone's asking what day is the show in Florida? Monday, February 27th, all day are educational sessions. And then there's lunch and dinner. Tuesday, we have educational sessions from nine o'clock in the morning until 12 noon. Then we have an exhibitor luncheon from 12 to one and the trade show runs from one to five. And then we have our banquet and auction that night. And then on Wednesday, we have more sessions from nine to 12 noon. It sounds like a really cool lineup. Um... Why, why in Florida again? Like, I, it's, it's clearly, a, I'm no way sorry. We actually, why did we, how did you end up in Florida? It was during we, COVID. We went to Florida three years ago. When COVID hit and everything was shut down in New Jersey and Delaware and Maryland, the board decided that they still wanted to have a conference to try to find a place to have it. And Florida was open and we ended up going to Tampa the first year. It was a success. People were, they wanted to be together in person. We dealt sure, it virtual yeah. the year before. And so last year we were in Orlando and this year we're back in Orlando again. And People like being together in person. Yeah. Oh, well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody's arguing about that. But yeah. Super excited to, to, I wish I could be there. Like I've, I've moved to the city, Calgary in Canada, that is apparently on the opposite end of the continent from where Florida is. <laughs> and every conference I try to go to here this spring is like $2,000 for a flight. Oh, no. I like you, Joanne, but not $2,000 like you. I understand, Brian. <laughs> Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything we can do. I don't know what's wrong with my camera. It's a brand new one I just got today that keeps making me blurry and then not making me blurry. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not going to the show this year. I, I'm the only person in our company that does shows and I have five of them next month. Yeah. So there's two or three that I couldn't go to last year. So I'm prioritizing those this year. But one of the things I always say about Joanne's show. It's the best. Why are you going? It's one of the ones that all of the attendees will come and talk to the vendors. It's probably, I would say the percentage of attendees that talk, speak to each vendor. And this is obviously is for the vendors more so than for the owners, but most of the attendees, the higher percentage comes and talks to each vendor. She does a really great job of getting them around and getting them to access you know, the vendors access to the campground owners. From a vendor perspective, Julian, I love your show. Thanks, Joe. And I really do stress that to the attendees. And yes, you're there for the educational sessions and for the networking and the fun. For the trade show, we appreciate the support that we get from our vendors and our sponsors. And I do want to make sure that the attendees get to all of the vendors at the trade show. We do hear that from year to year that the vendors are happy that we're not the largest show, obviously, but our attendees do visit with each of the, the trade show vendors and do their buying, whatever. We're really happy about that. So thanks, Joe, for that comment. But I will tell you again, just from my experience of going to so many trade shows, and I don't go to as many as I used to just because of, again, time and distance, right? But I will tell you that size really doesn't matter when it comes to a conference like that. Whether you're just starting out or you're established, it's really just making those connect. Obviously, it depends on your business goals, right? But it's really just making connections with those owners 
talking to them, seeing where you can fit in and provide value to them with either a service or a product as a vendor. And really, ultimately, it's just you never know who you're going to talk to. They may come back to you and buy a ton of stuff three, four, five years from now. And really careful about when we, the vendors that do come in, we try to allow two vendors from any segment of the industry so that everyone gets a fair chance. Yeah. And we let the vendors know that if there's, a, if there's an extra one that wants to come in, that there are already two vendors. We want everybody to be able to speak to everyone and not be overwhelmed by just one segment group. So I, I do try to control that as best I can. This is a totally different conversation. I just, I'm, the first thing that popped into my head was how do you handle reservation systems? But we won't make you answer that. Joe, Joe, what else is coming up for, for you? You were talking about some other shows that you were going to. So just fill us in on the conference schedule here in the spring. Yeah. Well, we just got done two weeks ago with Camping Carolina and I saw Campers Kern there as well. Outside of the normal conferences, I also attended the Tampa Super Show in January. And again, I saw one of Joel's coworkers. And then following him, Joel? Or? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anywhere Joe goes, that's where we got to be. That's right. It's true. Um, it's, a good, it's a good metric to say. Coming up soon is Ohio, Ocoa's. I mean, I will be speaking. Then NCA, uh, the Northeast Camping Association. Then Wisconsin, the Waco Association of Campground Owners. Camp Michigan will be in the week after that. And then uh, we'll end March with Cal OHA in California, Sacramento area. Is that how you pronounce so, it? Is it Cal OHA or is it? I know. Like, I thought it was Koloha or something. It's mm -hmm. Koha, California Outdoor Hospitality Association. Used to be Camp Cal now. Correct. We're all, we all know the letters. I was just unsure <laughs> how to pronounce it. So I don't know. I didn't know it was a single word. So I'm not saying that it is. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying it appears to be that way. And it's yeah, the first time I went to that one was last year. So uh, unfortunately last year I had to miss the three in the middle there in Seattle, Waco and Michigan. And so I'm going back to those this year, but then uh, California was the, my first year was last year and it was a really good show this year. They're for the vendor side, they're adding some dedicated time. They had sessions throughout the trade show last year. This year there's some dedicated vendor mm -hmm. time, but again, since it, it's only its second year back, so I, I expect there to be a good number of new campgrounds to Europe. Awesome. Yeah, always a good time. I will admit I miss going to all the trade shows quite a bit, but it's got to be a trade-off somewhere it's until I figure out how to clone myself, which I will. And then I'll come to your show every year, Joanne. You'll be the first show on the clones just, list. Just turn on your second camera again and you're set. That's a good point. But all right. What you else can start, this is why you can start a road trip now. Just get in an RV and just start heading south. I can't afford an RV. I'm not rich enough to afford an RV. We have, that's actually what we're doing this summer is we have two conferences in June, Arizona, Arvik, and then a corporate client of ours in both in Arizona. And so we are packing up our six children into our RV and spending two months on the road. Oh. Plan on staying at Verde Ranch. Much braver person than I am. Much braver. I would maybe be able to take three kids with me. <laughs> But, but what's the fun in there? We're currently trying to potty train our one child. And that when you said six kids, I, you just made me feel lighter somehow. I feel like I can float. Lucky, our boy just went through it and it, he went really quick. Actually quicker than the girls for potty training. So we're just nice. about fully out of diapers. It's been an ongoing thing for 10 years. So it's good to make Modern yeah. campground, cutting edge in, in, right. in the outdoor hospitality right. industry with right potty here. training anecdotes. You have to raise the younger generation, Mike. They have to be ready to go camping, and it's never too young to start them. And, and an RV is the best way to transport them because once they're once you need to stop every right. five minutes in a vehicle, you realize having a bathroom on board is pretty clutch. Yeah. 
I can imagine traveling without a motorhome now. And let's be honest here too. Like this is more critical than we know as campground owners, because there are some adults who go to campgrounds who still aren't potty trained. <laughs> you know who have cleaned up after them. You know who you are. So anyway, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about, it's a good segue because Joe is not about the potty training, but Joe is going on the road with his six children, going across to probably stopping at a bunch of campgrounds along the way. Yeah, Joe? Yep. Uh, so how are you finding discounts? How are you finding this stuff? I, th- I think Joel might have one solution that might enhance that. What do you have, Joel? Yeah, so we, we touched on it briefly, and we have been attending as many of the shows as possible and joining as many of the state campground associations as possible as well. Campers Card is essentially a free marketing program for campgrounds. And it's interesting, before I purchased Harvest Toasts five years ago, my grand plan was to build Campers Card. And I'd actually, I'd owned it, built this website. The idea was to create a perks program for our viewers so you get discounts nice little things like early check-in late checkout essentially like what the hotel industry does pretty well with their loyalty programs i wanted to create that for rv campers and the issue i realized as i got started was i had no scale and so even though i could have reached out to a bunch of campgrounds and tried to get them on board i didn't have the rvers to communicate with at that point and so I put that project in the back burner, spent last year, five years building Harvest Hosts, and now we have close to a million RVers who we communicate with 250,000 paid members of Harvest Hosts, but then hundreds of thousands additional between RV Hacks and Humor, our magazine, our podcast. We basically do, we have a large list and we've spent close to $30 million in the last five years building that list through marketing and advertising. So now we have the scale. And so this is why now, right? This is why Campers Card's coming out now. It also felt like the right time to start helping campgrounds fill excess inventory. I think last year was the first year where we started seeing a little bit of a normalization in traffic. And in some campgrounds, you know, midweek may have spots they want to fill. That's my goal, right? Our mission as a business is to help campers, but also communities. And in communities, we throw all campgrounds, right? Small business owners are it's one of my favorite groups to benefit. So what I love about Campers Card is it'll always be free for campgrounds because we have already invested in this, in the database of RVers, we don't have to charge campgrounds anything. And so that's the main thing. And as we've been going to these trade shows, we've been talking to campgrounds and saying, hey, if you have, if you want more traffic, we are essentially going to be telling our 800,000 RVers in April, here are the campgrounds in our program, go check them out. So that, that's the quick pitch. And it's a very simple program. Really, it's very simple. Our RVers are already spending on average 30 plus days a year in traditional campgrounds. And we're just trying to help them connect to great campgrounds wherever they're going. So a couple hard questions, right? I'm going I'm to act like a journalist, like I should act right now, right? No cost to the campground, but what does the campground have to give the camper to incentivize them to come to their campground as part of yeah, the program? Great question. And we were very, I think, thoughtful about that. It's up to the campground. I'm a big fan of allowing the business to choose what they want to offer. And there are some other programs in our industry that, that force certain types of discounts. And that's, what, that's their prerogative. Our approach is, hey, Joe, you've got a campground. You tell us what you want to offer. If you want to offer a 20% discount, a 10% discount, early check-in, late check-out, these are some ideas. We'll essentially just put that together on a page and tell our members, here's what Joe's campground offers, you decide. So obviously the more compelling you can be, the better. So if you find that midweek, you've really got a bunch of openings and you're willing to give a pretty good discount to to attract people, we're just the middleman. We're just going to tell our members, here's the option. 
So totally up to the campground is a long story. Is there a way that maybe you're already doing this, but is there a segmented way where you're going to communicate some of these people who are offering the discounts through Campers Card to RVers who are closer to their region or closer to their home instead of a blanket email to everybody about every campground? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things we're doing is incorporating these campgrounds into our map. And so we have members are using our app or our website to, to do a lot of like A to B route planning. And right now on that route planning, you can pop in Harvest Host locations, golf courses, boondockers, local locations, dump stations. We added recently 7,000 dump stations. And now you'll be able to add a layer of campgrounds. And so as people are traveling and route planning, they'll see the campgrounds along their route, but they'll also be able to search regionally. And we're going to give the members the option to get updates based on their geo. So you could say, hey, you know, Brian, do you want us to tell you anytime we have a new campground in the program in the mid-Atlantic region? And that could be a flag. But yes, we're we're working hard to come up with good ways to, to show people where these campgrounds are located. And it's not me like trying to hassle you or give you a hard time. It's just my marketing brain working, like targeting and good drilling down into niches and locations and just making that content not only more valuable to the RVer, but then likely are resulting in a higher conversion for the campground that's part of the program. So totally forgive me for, I'm not trying to uncover any secrets or give you a hard time. You're spot on. Discovery, I think as an RVer, campground discovery, attraction discovery, these are some of the biggest challenges. And so we've invested a lot. We have 10 engineers full-time on our team that are building good products to help with that discovery across the board. But everyone here probably knows, like we all use different tools to try to find things and some are better than others, but discovery is important. This is fascinating. We'll talk about this at the end of the show. I want to circle back to discovery. Mike knows what I'm going to talk about already. But while I'm remembering though, I want to thank our sponsor for the episode, Firefighters Reservations. We're going to take just a brief little video play here for our sponsor, Firefighters Reservations. We'll be right back. Did you know most campers prefer to reserve online? Are you missing reservations? Firefly makes it easy to run your campground and accept reservations online anytime. With Firefly, you can quickly message campers, simply handle ongoing reservations, and automate emails and payment processing, giving you back time to run your campground. You can start your free trial today. No credit card needed. Visit fireflyreservations.com to learn more. So thank you to Firefly Reservations for being a sponsor of this episode of the show. We're grateful for their support and helping you continue the show going. And we can chat with all these amazing people that we have on the show today. What else do we have? Is there anything we need to talk about, about Camper's Card or anything else? That, do you guys have any thoughts? Mike, Joe? First, Jim asked if that was available in Canada and the U.S., Joel. Oh, yes. And the answer is yes. We are, our network of locations with Harvest Host and Boondocker is about 8,000 and about 10% are in Canada. We're working to make sure that they're everywhere. We, it's every province. Campers cards the same way. We're adding campgrounds everywhere we can. So far, we've only started recruiting campgrounds in the last few weeks. We have about 400 on board. Our goal is to get to 1,000 campgrounds before our April launch to members. And the only other thing I would add, and it's important, is not only is it free for campgrounds, there is no, you don't need any special software. There's no contracts. We're not pushing reservation software of any kind. It's simply... Hey, tell us if you want to be in the program, submit a short form. It's that simple. So it's, it's, we're trying to keep it easy for campground owners because I understand how busy they are. And the last thing that they want is yet another complicated program. So it's supposed to be extremely low lift. So as a, as a campground, you know, I was on your website right now, so it's not 
launched yet. So right now it just says list of campgrounds. So there's no way to search for it yet. It's not up and running yet. Correct. So we have intentionally not released this to RVers yet. We are just focusing on getting the campgrounds on board. And then actually we have a gorgeous new website. The current websites, it's just a little WordPress website, but we have a great website in the background that's going to launch with the product in April. And then we're going to do the big splash, which will both be obviously marketing to our 800,000 RVers, but also paid advertising and marketing campaigns are going to kick off in the spring. So how does this integrate with, I, I obviously know the Harvest Host and the Boondockers. As a campground, it's something we've never been able to participate in because we're not a Harvest Host eligible. So if I think about reach and as a campground operator and owner, there's probably 30 or 40 sites. Brian and I have talked about this now for a couple of years of where do you go to look for an RV site, right? There's not one centralized Expedia.com, if you will. So what, and I don't make, mean to make the sound interviewee, but what sets your site? Why should I list on your site as opposed to Passport America, Good Sam, Campendium, RV Park, all the yeah. other 30 that we play with? What, what's your reach and what's your strategy? Totally. So it's, it is, it's really interesting because mm -hmm. I just had this conversation the other day. I don't know. I think it's going to be a long time before there's a kayak for the RVer. And it's because as a traveler, we're not necessarily just searching for show me hotels in Chicago. We're looking for a longer route with dates and it's just different. So we all have different tools for how we approach it. So that's the other thing with Campers Card. It's not an exclusive program. Right. And what we've been telling campground owners is keep using the other programs if they're working for you. It's going to be up to us to show you that we're going to also be beneficial. And by the way, if any of the others you're paying for, like maybe we end up giving you traffic that makes your life a little easier for less, but we're not trying to be exclusive. So the answer right now, the short answer is I say, join them all. So I'm an investor in four campgrounds here in Colorado. And as we try to get them up and running, the best way to do that is to get on all 30 places, right? And that's just, that's it. Now, luckily most of them are free. I'm a little more right. selective before I join something that's paid, but Camper's Card is also free. And I'm excited to prove our value. You know, I think the biggest difference we have is just a massive, we already have a massive reach. And so we now get to use it. And what's neat is we've had a good, as Harvest hosts, we've had a, a good relationship with campgrounds over the last five years through a lot of like education saying, hey, we're not trying to be the enemy. We're not trying to be a competitor. We're just boondocking 24 hours. We're competing with Walmart and rest stops. We're not trying to hurt campgrounds. This is finally our way to say, hey, we told you, like we want to help campgrounds. And so this is, we can use our traffic now to come to, to support it. So I'd say join them all. It doesn't hurt. And once we start pushing traffic, it should be very beneficial. So I think that my instant question to that is, I agree with you. There's no, there's nothing wrong with being listed on another site, as long as you have the time to manage it. And that's the big caveat, right? If I'm a mom and pop owner, I only have one or two staff where I can't hire because staffing is tough across all of North America. How do I decide where to spend my time in general? And then, and I don't know if that's maybe underlying an underlying question in your mind, Mike, how do I decide what is most important if I can't right. Yeah, I think when we, obviously we just opened the other property and we're about ready to open the other two campgrounds the next 69 days. And we have to Joel's point, a checklist of all the different sites. We need to make sure that we're scrubbing and listing and part of it's an evolution and gee, you just got to find the balance of, and as you open, you find out where your source of business comes from and what works and you know, where the traffic comes from and every property will be different. Every park will be different. Every Location will be different just depending on the traveler and depending on what type of segment you're getting. So short answer is you just got to do them all. <laughs>
Joe, I'll tell you, speaking from an executive director, the more simple that you make the sign up for the campground owner, the better off you're going to be. Because if it becomes too cumbersome with 30 others out there doing the same thing, that's really important. You'll see, I think that you'll get a lot more traction by making it as simple as possible for them and streamlining it as, as easy as it can possibly be for them. Totally. And I appreciate that feedback and I completely understand it. My guess is that as a campground owner, the hardest thing every day is figuring out where am I going to get that extra five minutes to help the business. So with Campers Card, it's, it's just a form you fill out, very simple. And then we have a team. We have a team of 10 or 15 full-time recruiters who will then take that and run with it. So they'll do all the work building the listing. So the campground doesn't actually have to do anything. They don't have to log in. They don't have to build their listing. They don't have to manage anything. So it was, to your point, Joanne, like intentionally supposed to be like an afterthought. It should be as, as easy as just clicking, submitting one form and being done. Do you feel like, and again, I promise you, I'm not trying to give you a hard time, Joel. I'm just no, I like to, it. Hey, I, hey, let's keep it hard. The, the, the like, harder, the better. This is not really a Harvest Host Campers Card specific question, but, and maybe Mike or Joe, you all want to weigh on in on this too. Is there a certain point where RVers get too much stuff from too many places? If there are 30 places who are all emailing the same RVers on the same list about different promos and come to my site, and get, is there a point where RVers start ignoring some of that? For sure. It's no different than the rest of the spam that you get and the rest of the marketing that you get. And we've had that discussion ad nauseum because we subscribe to some of our competitors' marketings and how much is the right amount, how much is too much. And one of our competitors, they send out a daily update to their email list daily. And I've blocked them. I've unsubscribed. Can't take it anymore. And so I think there's that balance of finding which marketing messages. And yes, I think at some point, so the industry, I think, is in a revitalization as a lot of new capital has come into it as the industry has become more popular and profitable and much more institutional. The ownership has come in and at some point it will consolidate, right? At some point, all these different sites will be bought up by each other and then a major company might buy it up. And I think it will just like what happened with the OTAs originally, right? And there was a bazillion of them 20 years ago, and now there's really three or four main ones. So short answer is yes, Brian, it's going to confuse the client, but for the customer, but at some point it will, it will integrate and mesh. I kind of take a little bit of different stance on it. I think that each of our kind of found what they like to use. And to Joel's point is he has a large amount of RVers that use something specific already. He's just adding a new set of inventory onto the product that they use to find what they're looking for. So for myself, I know of all of the different services that are out there. I typically use one, and that's the service I use to find because, because Joel isn't necessarily a service. Tell us, Joe, you, have, you can't just leave it as a mystery. Well, I'm not going to talk about competitors or anything, <laughs> but and mine is not the same one that most people use. I'm looking at specific things I'm looking for. I'm looking, because I'm doing this for business. I'm looking for a number of sites. So I want oh, you were talking about your app. I thought you were talking about a site. That's why I No, asked. I'm talking about a site. So, so in particular, I use RV life most of the time. It has a lot of reviews so I can see what type of resort it is. And it also has the number of sites. And okay. for me, that's very beneficial, but that's only because of I'm doing it for a business, for my business to figure out who would be a good customer for me. So that's my need. And so it's a little different than other people's needs, but I think that all campers work that way. They find one that they stick with. Father uses RV parking. And so they find something and they stick with it. My aunt uses Harvest House. Well, and so she, I don't know, she very rarely stays at campgrounds now and she would definitely 
stay at campground. She's not against it by any stretch, but she uses harvesters because normally when she's traveling, she's trying to find just an off the road spot and it, it really works for her. She loves wineries. So it's imperfect. And in, in kind of contrast to what you're saying is I don't think Joel's pitching a marketing engine for you just to be sending out a bunch of email blasts on your property. It's a, you're, when people are already looking here, you're going to be one that pops up. And so, yeah, it's definitely a benefit. I didn't yeah. mean to apply that he was going to spam anybody. Yeah. General question, yeah. 40 places Lots that exist, right? Rich. Oh, for sure. But the thing is, a camper probably only uses one of them. If you're, if you're looking at, there's 40 of them, 20 of them have almost no, and so now you're looking at 20 of them. And of those 20, who has the highest reach? And that's, I should say, who of your cohort has the highest reach? Your client, there's different ones. One of the things though that I didn't know, because I haven't talked to the guys from Camper Stars, um, I like the concept that you allow the, of the campground to decide what's their, how they're helping out the camper. I've heard a lot of issues about campground owners not wanting to give discounts. I pay a fee and then I give a discount to all these people. And I know there's pushback on that, but you can treat it as a reward system where you're giving away amenities that you would normally charge for that have no marginal cost. Things like mini golf or kayak rentals, things like that, that you can decide. Right. And then you can also play with it. Just, I'm sure what Brian would suggest is you try this for a month and see how that works. Well, then maybe we add a discount and it starts working. Or if the discount's working, maybe you pull it back to something else and you can play with it. I like that idea that campground owner has control over, over how they, uh, how they use it. Do they have to give a discount or something free or can they just list and. They need to offer some perk of some sort because okay. because we are calling it basically a perks program, but it can be simple. It, I think it's interesting that early check-in and late checkout has been such a huge thing in hotels for so long, and it's just finally starting to maybe get to campgrounds because it's a lot easier to turn a campsite than it is a hotel room. Agree with that. So, yeah, so I, and I've been at campgrounds, and we've probably all been there. Where you call a friend, and like, hey, I'm running late. Do you mind if I like check out a little later? And usually it's fine, but you feel guilty. Or we've gotten the call from the campground. I was like, hey, checkout was at 11. And you're thinking, I know, but check-in's not till three. So if I'm out of here at 1130, is that a really big problem? But every campground's different. But that'd be a huge perk. As an RVer, if I knew I could go somewhere and they said, you can, you can get a noon checkout, awesome. I'd probably prioritize that campground because I need to do some business calls in the morning. So what is your view on this, Mike, from a, what he's talking about perspective, right? Let's say you do late check-in, check-out, which I think your resorts offer right now, but for an extra cost, pending availability, of course. But what is your view on that versus maybe building a loyalty program, obviously, that doesn't work for individual parks, but a CRR loyalty program? Is that a benefit that could be shared? Is that something that has to be exclusive to one or the other? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's, this answer is going to be different for everybody, right? Our parks are larger, right? And if we're 420 site RV spot, our RV park, our 75% is very different where if you're 150 site spot, you have no availability and you're revenue managing the heck out of your park. For us, we have a lot of inventory to fill. You know, the answer to your question, I think two things. Yes. One is we are building a CRR loyalty program for across the country that includes the RV resorts, the storage, car watch, et cetera, in general. However, we want as much reach as possible and I've gotten tarred and feathered and eggs thrown at me for talking about Passport America, but it's, it is no different than the third-party opaque sites that started with the hotel industry with Priceline and all those other ones where you need it when you need it. And if you're a larger park and if it's off season and, and you, know, you want as much reach as you can to get heads and beds or fill your empty spots, I think we would leverage 
both. And it's, I'm not sure that was your question as to what kind of perks would we offer? I think it depends, right? Is it a discount off? Is it a particular site type that we're trying to, to, and I think that would be a question for Joel is, is it one blank and I submit my listing and my discount and I'm done, or can you change it seasonally based on, yeah, yeah. Can you change it seasonally based on what you're, what you have available, so to speak, or be flexible to, to drive need areas. So make speak. sure that the camper doesn't have outdated information if you do change. Or they booked it and you're offering free kayak rentals and now you're four months later and they saw free kayak rentals, but your discount or your perk, I guess is, is the better way, is, isn't the same. And that's a benefit of us, this being app driven. We'll let, you know, our members are going to be trained from the beginning that you need to check the, the perk of the desk. This is not, this isn't a listing on a website that, ex, that has been there for months. This is dynamic and the campground owners can change it anytime they want. Well, but so then that, uh, that's fair. That makes complete sense. And that's a great answer. The follow-up question to that is, is the four month reservation that Mike said, what if they reserve it in advance? Well, I suppose that if Mike knows someone reserving today for June, he would just have to be comfortable with what he'd be confident he could offer in June. Okay. Yeah. You know, like Brian, I was thinking to your side, things that they could offer would be even free mugs. There's a lot of people, I'm not necessarily one of them. There's a lot of people that love just getting a free trinket. And if they have your branding and they're taking them to other campgrounds and using your mug when they go to another campground in the morning, but around the fire, that's a, that's a well, business all you as for marketing. And though, even though you gave away something that was $5 for free, it's nice. Uh, again, I could just talk from... And listening to my members, I think one of the things, Joel, that you'll find is the flexibility that you allow the campground owner to have to determine what it is his perk is going to be, is going to be important. Whether, like you said, whether it's a discount or a trinket or, you know, early check-in, late check-out, for them to be able to manage that for their own individual campground is going to be really important because not everybody's needs are the same. That's right. And I'm guessing, Mike, that's the issue that you've probably gotten feedback from for Passport America is that they're asking for a lot. Is that right? Yeah. And obviously from a revenue management standpoint, it's really very difficult. And it isn't necessarily our prices are so high that sometimes the traveler and our offerings don't match, but you want to, you want to generate business when you want to generate business. So I think what you're describing, the flexibility of what you're offering can be is a lot more attractive, so to speak. And I think it's something that, that we'll for sure explore. And especially since knowing that obviously your reach with the other sites and basically, cause, cause I assume they're all going to integrate. And so the reach with the other sites also opens us up maybe to a new customer that we have never experienced before through Harvest Host that. We don't have reach to currently that maybe they're exposed to us. And so I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's what all my questions were geared toward is what really sets this apart. And I think we found it right. It's the flexibility and that's what really sets it apart and makes it easy to adopt. I think. Yep. Flexibility in the audience that we have is probably closer aligned with Mike's properties than, than not right. 80% of our members are 55 and older, 60% retired, and most of them have a six figure disposable income. So it's a wealthier segment of retired traveler. And I think that the resort properties fit really nicely into that. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people see Harvest Host as people that are just wanting to get free nights. So I'm sure that there is a, a section of Harvest Host that's like that. But of the ones that I know, that's not necessarily the case. They're the going experience. to wineries already. They like wineries or they like breweries or they have an experience that they want to want to do. Most of, a lot of these are people that would boondock otherwise. And so they typically nicer rigs. I would imagine there's a ton of luxury motor coaches 
that are on Harvest Hooks. And so those for sure right up your alley. Yeah. And the, the industry is changing. I've had this conversation with Connor Schwab a couple of times, just about class B campers. 10 years ago, you look at the class B camper is piece of crap. Get off my property. My brother has a class B and he is, you know, very well to do. And he likes to go boondocking and he's, but he also likes amenities. And so I think to your point about Harvest Host and some of these other boondockers, just because you're boondocking doesn't mean you have no income. You always want to boondock. Yeah. That's right. And that's the other stat is that our average member only stays at Harvest Host locations three or four nights a year. And then they're staying at traditional campgrounds 30 to 60. So Joel, I'll tell you, you why, that's a really important statistic for you to get out to the campgrounds because I'll tell you, I, would agree. I mean, yes. campground owners are obviously not a fan of Harvest Host because of people are staying in a winery or whatever or a brewery or a farm or whatever. And there, those places are not, they're not regulated like a campground is. And there's definitely disparity there. So that information I think is really important for you to get out to the campground. Totally. We're trying to do a better job of that. It's interesting in locations where we have harvest hosts around campgrounds, the campgrounds are always on our side because they always see more traffic. And so we never, I've never had a complaint for a campground near a harvest host location because so many of our travelers come off the road and end up going to the campground before or after because harvest host is just dry camping and just for 24 hours. And so these are the things we're trying to educate campgrounds on. But it's interesting. There's one down the road here for me in Palisade in the middle of a bunch of wineries and they've seen so much more traffic from Harvest Host that they actually joined as a campground, which is interesting. Like, I, I don't think we've ever had a campground join Harvest Host, but they basically said, we'll offer some free spots for Harvest Hosters, knowing that what they end up doing is hooking up. We tried that. I mean, I guess that was a couple of years ago and we tried to list ourselves as a campground and we, it was no. And so we were trying yeah. to attract it. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's interesting. Like, it just, it wasn't a use case that I had foreseen, but we're totally open to it. And that's the nice thing is we play really nicely with campgrounds. The only times those that don't know us or don't have any campgrounds around us, I completely understand the hesitance. And that's why I'm always trying to say we are not competing with campgrounds. And now I'm really excited about the campers card program because we can finally prove like through our actions, like we're going to actually send traffic to campgrounds. Are you able to tell us or give us an idea or do you have any data on what are some of the perks that people are offering besides straight up discounts that you've seen come through with the sign up so far? Yes. And we offer some options as suggestions that can of course come up with their own, but so it's a discount, it, typically a discount, a, like a 10% discount for the full stay or some are doing like a 20% first night discount. Some as high as 30, depending on when they're trying to fill inventory. Um, for perks, this early check-in late checkout is one of the biggest ones. That's the largest take low barrier to give it away too. I and think so. And the, and the value to the RVer is massive. Yep, so we surveyed sure. all of our members and asked them like, what are the perks you want to see early check-in late checkout? It was the biggest thing because so many people are now working from the road that being able to get to a campground a little earlier to take that call or leave a little later to take that call. Like it, it's really, it's more important now than ever. So that's huge. Some are offering things like free firewood as an example, or a discount in the store. That's an easy one. They'll say, here's a percentage discount in the camp store. So it's things like that. It's just taking the stuff you already have and um, figuring out what's pretty low lift or low cost, but has a high benefit. 
And I think that early check-in check-out is one of those that doesn't cost anything really. Now, in Mike's case, since he offers it for sale, there, there is an opportunity cost, but a lot of campgrounds don't do that yet. And that's true, but we'll tell you when I camp, I, I, we always try to get out on our checkout time. Sometimes meetings happen or whatever. And you know, the camper, I feel, I can feel nickel and dimed if, if it's five minutes after and I go, we're going to charge you the $50 fee. And I completely understand. I understand the business and that you can turn oh, those, but. Also knowing that Stop whining. Also knowing that there's a two-hour window there where no one's supposed to be there and you're not actually doing anything to turn the campsite. But just, I would be more inclined to pay a higher fee to not have to worry about it, to be honest. That's me. I don't like the nickel and dime, the little thing. Then Joe, that's a great point though, too, as part of the member discount, right? If you think about the hotel programs, which are the most evolved, right? If you're a premier tier, one of the perks you get is early check-in, right? Or a complimentary late checkout. And it does have value, right? And, and that costs costs nothing in essence to the campground. So that's a big value to the customer and really a no cost to the, the property. And as Joel unless said, you, unless you Marriott and you miss Starwood, then you maybe get a late checkout if you beg. But, Sorry. Anyway. But Joel said that, and that's a growing subset of people that are working from home. I don't know. I don't know if it's still growing. I would expect that it still is of people that are working from their campers and, oh, I just had a meeting scheduled. I wonder if I can check in a little bit early. An early check-in even more so because then you know, you might have them buying lunch or spending money on your amenities earlier in the day. It's oh. interesting too, to think about how this feeds other things too. So if you're on like, just use Harvestos as an example, planning your journey, right? And you're going even private campground to private campground. It's interesting how all this feeds each other. If the campground before offered you late checkout, you don't need to arrive early at the next one because you could stay later at the other one. And so it works if a chain too, when people are traveling cross country. So then if you're staying later at the campground, maybe you're buying more things in the store or drinking coffee or whatever, right? So it all has an effect on the entire ecosystem. It's interesting to, to think about how that changes campers' behavior overall. Totally. Also, Joe, with six kids, I don't know how in the world you get them up and out of there in time. I, it's like incredible. Oh, we can, it can be done. It can be done. <laughs> we have a decent setup with ours. We have a class A toy hauler. And yes. so we have a lot of distinct areas that we can do things in. And so it's not, not too difficult. That's what are nice. your thoughts on this from a technology standpoint, Joe? And what I mean by that is obviously you've got your app, you're doing some integrations with some of the reservation systems and trying to push some data over there on the campers. Is there an opportunity in the future to integrate with the PMS of the campground property to know that they're a Harvest Host campers card loyal and they're entitled to late checkout and to push that notification, even if they don't want it and say, hey, your late checkout is for your stay and surprise. And that would depend, right? And it obviously depends on how the technology and the technology obviously yeah. exists. It just depends on if campers card as well as us or any of the PMSs would open up those technologies to, to speak to each other. So that, that's what it boils down to is how much they want to talk. And yeah, we've actually talked about that ourselves. Once we have our integration with PMSs, there's really neat things we can do there to try to bring people in and get them spending money a little earlier. And so that's some of the things that we've been working on. And I know I talked to Mike about it before. And one of the concerns is that we charge for early check-in. Yeah, but if they weren't asking for it and they weren't going to pay for it anyway, and your site's open, bring them in and get them to buy lunch. That's, uh, that seems like a pretty useful use case. And then from Joel's side, yeah, if we could grab, I think it would be, I don't know, I don't know how the campground owner would feel about it, but if we can tie up the PMS's online reservation with the, our uh, campus card member and just push the notification of this is what you get. Now that's going to get 
more of those benefits are going to be requested. And so that's the negative that you have there, but also your campground will be delighted. It's a trade-off that you have, that each campground would have yeah. to decide on their own. And I think it would have to be a manual trigger, right? Based on, maybe it's based on availability versus, like I was talking about Starwood Marriott. Starwood, it was guaranteed. Didn't matter what the hotel said. You got 4 p.m., 2 p.m. Marriott's kind of iffy. So is it a guarantee or is it a based on availability thing? Not too? better. I'm not better. I'm very better. I spend, I've spent, I spend a lot of nights in Marriott, but anyway, I think that's a, a thing too. So whether you offer it as that or not, and I would say, I would think it would have to be based on availability, right? Unless it was your own loyalty program. And everything's based on availability. Right? Yeah, they, they, to, yeah. Totally campground discretion. I think members would understand. I'm asking it's your choice as the campground owner, right? So is it better for you as the campground owner to say based on availability? I think the answer is definitely yes. Yes, definitely. What else do we got to talk about? We got about nine minutes left here, guys. I got a question for Joanne. Joanne, how are your campgrounds feeling about 2023 compared to 2022? Does it Um, feel like that? Yeah. 2023, I think 2023 is going to be probably the same as 2022. We've done, we do camping and RV shows and we've been to five of them already this year. And definitely people are still out there. The interest in camping is still there. They're looking for new campgrounds. You're looking to travel. I will tell you, the RV dealers have done very well at the shows, even though there's a lot of a lot of used RVs on the, the secondary markets out there, but the RV dealers seem to be doing okay. So I think 2023 is going to be similar to where we were in 2022. Obviously, 20 and 21 were incredible for us, at least in New Jersey. And again, it's all weather dependent, Joel. If yeah. it rains or we get some storms coming up, well, that could kill us, but um, we're very positive and optimistic about the season coming into 2023. Awesome. That's great. Is everybody else here too? Mike, Joe, from what you've heard? Are we optimistic? We are cautiously optimistic. I think there's so many indicators of concern. I'm at, I don't know if you can hear the background noise, but I'm at the storage conference right now and Moody's just spoke. I talked about obviously state of the economy, state of the industry, state of the finance business and so much of what's going on. And obviously, you know, what happens? Is it a slow session? Is it a recession? All those things factor in. And on the flip side, you can see all the statistics about RVing certainly is a lower cost vacation option. So will that boom again in a situation like this? It's a wait and see, I think. We've definitely seen a little bit of change and mix over the last six months of far less transient and our parks, our current parks are heavily transient weighted. So our long-termers and full-timers have increased as a result, which means our ADR goes down. So I think that's an, it depends an answer, right? If you're in Florida, if you build it, they will come, right? They're all still full. They're going to be full for that. If you're a transient property, I think that'll be a little bit different. It depends on where you are in size of property too. So we're cautiously optimistic. We're not doom and gloom yet at all. All right. Well, well from our just, side, go ahead. Yeah, please. I'm just going to say from our side, I have not really heard any pessimism and customers. We don't have customers that are looking to cut expenses right now. We haven't seen that and we're bringing in more customers. We keep seeing more and more luxury RV, like luxury motor coach properties built still. A lot of luxury properties are coming online and I don't know, it doesn't seem like they're pulling back any much. All right. I'm going to do something uncharacteristic here, unless you guys have something to add. I'm going to end a couple minutes early because I have to go teach a session at CCRVC again or join a main stage panel. So Does anybody else have any final thoughts before we leave? Brian, can I just say, if anyone's interested in getting more information on the conference, they can email me at joanne, J-O-A-N, at campnj.com, or go onto the website, gocampingnj.com, and pick up a registration form there. 
So awesome. Absolutely. You. Yeah. Make sure you attend Joanne's conference. Make sure you attend all these other amazing conferences that are coming up in the spring. Really appreciate you and sign up for Campers Card. Obviously, of course, it's another. Thanks for all the info, Joel. Appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on the show. This is fun. All right. Thank thanks, you. guys. We'll see, see you a little bit later. Next week. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.